Good morning. Happy New Year to you all. Morgan and I decided to sneak away to New York City and see where the ball drops and Rockefeller Place and Radio City Music Hall. Who's been to New York? Unbelievable. I, I would definitely visit at least once a year, but I, I totally left um, having no grid for why anyone would ever want to live in New York City. I just, I don't even know if I talked to someone and they explained it, I would, I, I would understand. But God bless the folks of New York City. Uh, we know people in the city that are doing the work of the kingdom and uh, had a really great time. If you don't know who I am, uh, I continue uh, here on Sundays just to always have different people. Uh, you know, last Sunday I had somebody welcome me as a new guest, uh, you know. So I just thought the first Sunday I would just reiterate who I am and what I do here real quick if you don't know. Or I know that we have some folks visiting from some conferences. I had one family that saw me on Sid Roth over the weekend and drove an hour to be here. So I'll just make it uh, real brief. But my name is Jeremiah Johnson. My wife and I planted Heart of the Father here in 2010 and have um, in 2019 shifted into more of an apostolic overseer role. Uh, we have a tremendous uh, team of elders here and staff that oversee uh, the day-to-day, -day, the finances, uh, the counseling, all the great and good things that are needed for a healthy local church. And not only here in Lakeland, but our campus in Winter Haven. Uh, I do preach here one Sunday a month, and I do preach at our Winter Haven campus one Sunday a month. And then primarily the other two Sundays, I am on the road. But it is an honor and a joy to be here. I do always consider this my church family, my home, uh, where we have cried and bled. I don't know if I bled, but maybe at a work project day. But this has been home, and it's really good uh, to be back. Before we jump into the message this morning, I wanted to just share what some of the things that have transpired in my life the last week, because I've really sensed that uh, what has just taken place could be applicable to some of you sitting here, and in fact, I'd just like to pray after this short portion, and then I'll get into the message. Um, in December, my one Sunday here, I began to talk about the plans of the devil out of Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, that the devil is in fact shouting, he is raging, he is attempting to wear down the saints of the Most High, and I pray that if you were discouraged, you were depressed, you were lost in 2019, that this would be your year of prophetic fulfillment and destiny that no one stays in the wilderness long term unless they're in disobedience. No one stays in the wilderness long term unless they're in disobedience. So don't take on that mindset that you're always going to be sick or you're always going to be lost or you're always going to be discouraged or you're always going to be wandering. I just 
say it's demonic, okay? Cast down, get a deliverance session if you need it, but that's not God. So I'm standing here on the first Sunday of 2020 believing that this will be a year of divine fulfillment and destiny. Is that good news? So, um, really encouraged by December Sundays. Who is here in, in December on a Sunday? You got to hear from our staff. Uh, you got to hear from Sarah Coker um, last Sunday on emotional healing. Um, just, just can we give the staff and Sarah a round of applause for what was shared in December? We've always been blessed here at a community that really anyone could get up and preach. That is a, is a blessing. On Monday, this past Monday, I took off to Oklahoma, and we had received an invitation for me to preach in Tulsa. And I wanted to back up about 10 years ago and tell you a story that really caught me off guard. And again, the intention of telling this story I've never told it publicly here. I don't even necessarily like to think about what people might interpret me sharing this, but I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. About 10 years ago, I was approached by a prophet. If I told you his name, most people in this room would, would recognize it. And he asked if he could meet with me privately. And in the private meeting, he handed me seven $100 bills seven $10 bills, and seven $1 bills. If you can't do math, that's $777. And he said, Jeremiah, there's a fullness of a call for a generation on your life. That's why I've given you 777. And he said, you have the double anointing of Leonard Ravenhill and Oral Roberts resting on you. You will have the fire in Ravenhill's bones, but you will have the apostolic anointing of Oral Roberts to build and lay out kingdom blueprints for the people of God. Again, that I know in the last 10 years, I've never told anyone that here. Oftentimes, just for fear of people might think I'm boasting or whatever. Please don't in, uh, think that I, I believe that in any way. If anything, it literally scared the living daylights out of me 10 years ago. Well, how many of you know that we now have Brother David Ravenhill here in our congregation teaching at Maranatha School of Ministry? To me, that was part of the prophetic fulfillment of God allowing us to become connected with Brother Ravenhill, having the library here learning more about uh, Brother Leonard's life. Fast forward to this past Monday, I spoke in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it just so happened that the hotel where we stayed was literally right across the praying hands. If you've been there, you know what I speak of. But right across the praying hands there on ORU's campus. And little did I know that the church that I would preach in that night was the very church that Oral Roberts came out of. Little did I know that down in the altar there was an old intercessory woman of 90 years old who laid hands on me unknowing about the prophecy and said, Jeremiah, you have the double anointing of Leonard Ravenhill and Oral Roberts. 
Why do I share this story? I share this story because many times in our lives, God speaks His Word, but it could take months and even years before He's calling us to even begin to understand and step into the fullness of the call that's on our lives. And I want to prophesy to some of you in this room that the words that you have had in the past, things that have been sowed into your heart, your mind is about to catch up. I don't know if you've ever had this happen where you're like in a prayer line or somebody's prophesying to you and you have no idea, one, what they're saying or what it even means. So let me just teach you just a quick, this is what you do. Lord, I receive everything that's from you and I just break off in Jesus' name whatever's from them or the devil. But we receive it by faith. It's okay if they're talking too fast. It's okay if you don't even, and there's a cloud and I see a mountain, and then there's nacho cheese, and you're like, what the heck? <laughs> Lord, I receive it in Jesus' name. Whatever's from you, I receive it by faith. And whatever's not of you, Lord, I just break it off in Jesus' name. But there are things that have been sowed into you, words that have been spoken over you. I don't believe it was a coincidence that I just crossed over this past Monday into a fulfillment that I've waited on for more than 10 years. Can you receive that by faith? If not, I'll pray. And then what I'll pray, you just do the same thing. Lord, I receive whatever's from you, and I break off in Jesus' name, Jeremiah's prayer, and anything that's of the devil. Is that okay? So just stretch out your hands like this. I, I'm just responding to the Holy Spirit. Whatever that He wants to do is up to Him. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that Your Word shall run swiftly. It will accomplish every purpose, every desire that You've sent for it. And Lord, we decree and we declare in 2020 that prophetic words that have been spoken, Lord, we ask, Lord, let them come to pass. And Lord, I also pray that every word that's been spoken from man, every seed that the devil has tried, to sow into our lives that wasn't from you father we break it off right now in Jesus name we come against confusion and stunted growth we bind the spirit of fear in this place we just say in 2020 we're crossing over in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said amen, amen. And then one last thing, we went to Oklahoma this past week, we went to New York City, and then I have just arrived back from North Carolina. I was one of the guests that he invited for his show, Sid Roth, It's Supernatural. I would highly encourage you to watch the show. Sid Roth has um, been leading the largest Christian charismatic television show in the world for some years and again out of his own mouth he believes that it was the best show that he has ever recorded in 50 years it's right available on his Facebook page 
Sid Roth at Supernatural. You can click on the video. I'm the third guest in the lineup, but one of the reasons why he had me on was for the new book that I've written called Trump and the Future of America. If you would like a copy of this book, I will be in the lobby after church signing copies for you. This is more of what I see God doing in the political landscape, the winner of the 2020 election, what is facing America, the impeachment. I'm not going to preach on politics or all of that, but if it is something that interests you, it will be available in the lobby. All right, if you have in your Bibles, would you turn to Genesis chapter 28? Genesis chapter 28. The title of my message is called The House of God. I believe one of my number one roles here at Heart of the Father is to encourage us and help us to grab hold of the blueprint that's found in Scripture. And what I mean by that is in any local community, in any church, whether it's here in Lakeland, whether it's in Utah, I want to talk big picture this morning. What I'm going to share with you is not so much this is what I believe God is saying to heart of the Father, and this is what we should do, but what I'm saying is I see God doing this on a global level. I believe heart of the Father, the elders will pray about what I'm going to share But we come into 2020 and we enter into more of a charismatic, we need a new word. I've counted so far on Facebook 119 that have come through my timeline. So 119 different prophetic words for what God is saying in 2020. And I want to encourage us today, the good news is is that while I do have some prophetic insight into what I see God doing in 2020, God has been saying the same thing in His Word for thousands of years. The Word of God is eternal. The Word of God is something that we can live and die on. We don't have to argue about it. So this morning, I want to talk about the house of God. I want to talk about the blueprint that we find in Scripture that then at the end of the day, we can ask ourselves individually, am I, am I establishing my life According to this pattern, is this church, is the church that I come from, that sort of thing. Are we clear? Are we clear? I was only like ten of you. Okay. To your surprise, perhaps, the term house of God is found in the first book of the Bible. I once did a survey and asked people, where do you think the term house of God is first mentioned in Scripture? It's a pretty good guess. We'll get there today, but they all said the book of Acts. 
Because we know in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus came. He models a life of dependence upon the Father. He preaches the message of the kingdom of God. And then he tells the apostles, his disciples, to wait in the upper room. And then the first century church is launched. What I want to point our attention to this morning is that from the very first book in the Bible, Genesis, God is so clear about some of the description that He desires to be in His house. Now, we are not only in a house of God here this morning, but you and I are a house of God. Amen? Genesis 28, verse 12. And he, he is Jacob, he had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants shall also be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your descendants shall be all families of the earth will be blessed. And behold, I am with you. And I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, the or a gate of heaven. What are some practical things that you and I can note in your Bible? If you brought your iPhone, just go ahead and Get your notes section out because you're going to want to take this down so that when we show up to church the next time, we actually have something we can go off of. I promise it's so clear. I want you to look at verse 12 and on the side of your Bible or in your notes write fire where it says verse 13 I want you to write Father, and next to 14, I want you to write Family. Fire, Family, Fathering. Three F's. Fire, Family, Fathering. I believe in this encounter that Jacob had in the book of Genesis, he begins to receive a revelation about necessary ingredients that belong in God's house if we want to build how God builds 
and we want to walk out a kingdom lifestyle like Jesus walked out. So it says in verse 12, he had a dream. I've literally had people online tell me, I don't believe dreams are New Testament. I mean, if you know any of the Bible, you could give them at least 15 just in the Gospels. In Joel, it says, in the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to release dreams, I'll paraphrase, dreams, visions, and prophetic utterance. Is that what God said? Dreams, visions, prophetic utterance. God said it. He decreed it. So it should just be our inheritance. So if we're not dreaming with God at night, if we're not having visions during the day, if there's no spirit of prophecy resting upon us, what's the problem? If we're a part of a church community where there's no prophetic utterance, where no one is having any dreams at night, when no one is having any visions during the worship or during their devotional time, I'll just save you the study and give you the answer. The Holy Spirit is being quenched. I would encourage you not to brush this off, but rather wrestle with God's Word. Because I want to stand before you this morning and invite you into a divine wrestle. I was just at Dr. Michael Brown's house on, on Friday, and I was giving him some scenarios that I knew would get him all stirred up, and I knew the answer. He said, Jeremiah... It doesn't matter what the experience is, we do not circumvent the Word of God. In other words, it doesn't matter if we don't experience it. It doesn't even matter if it's a way out there experience. We must build our lives on the Word of God. So I want you to take note that even the revelation of the house of God found in Scripture comes through a supernatural encounter. One more time. I want to alert you that the house of God found in the Scripture, the blueprints to it, come through a supernatural encounter from God. Yes, logic. Yes, reasoning. Yes, calendars. Yes, daytimers. Yes, dreams, visions, prophecies, angels, miracles, divine encounters. God deliver us from a religious spirit in the charismatic church where we read about it in the Bible and it's just not manifest in our lives. 
Is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? Is there something clogging or severing a spirit of revelation? Am I hooked on pornography? No wonder you can't see. Because if your eyes are bad, the whole body is bad. So he has this dream and behold a ladder was set on earth up to heaven and angels are descending and ascending. There is supernatural activity in the house of God that has nothing to do with people. Angels, so now we're going vertical. This is horizontal. This is vertical. This is ministering to people. This is ministering to God. So in the very first revelation of the house of God, there's supernatural activity. And this has nothing to do with welcome to my house or my life and my church. Let's get to know each other. I'm going to mess with you this morning. Don't worry, that comes later. But this has nothing to do with let's get to know each other. This has to do with let's come up here and get higher. Let's ascend to a place in God where then He begins to establish real kingdom relationships. What would happen if we didn't meet at the bar, but we met at the prayer meeting? What if we begin to, well, brother, we can't connect at the, I'm telling you, I know this is so un-American. Well, we can only build relationship at Chili's. We can only build relationship watching the Super Bowl. I believe in all that, but I don't know if God has ever connected you to someone in the place of prayer, connected your spirit together in unity, and that was the foundation for all that you did in life and ministry. But I just have to quote Ravenhill today. Leonard, Sunday morning church attendance shows how popular the church is. Sunday night or Wednesday night shows how popular the preacher is. And attendance at prayer meetings shows how popular God is. What if we have a lot of really popular churches and ministers in America with an unpopular God? What if we've become comfortable with a God we don't even know? Angels ascending and descending, and behold, the Lord stood above it. So there's supernatural activity. Our focus is heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. What are things that are happening in heaven that we can pull down and manifest on the earth? Prayer and worship. The miraculous holiness. And then the Father makes a decree 
over the house of God. And he says, I am the Lord your God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then in verse 14, he says, And in you and all your descendants shall all be the families of the earth and be blessed. We're getting ready to jump in the book of Acts. But I want to point out to you in the book of Genesis, the very first mention of the house of God, we have His fire. Fire is not found in programs, it's found in prayer meetings. Then we have the Father. God said to me about 2020, He said, I'm going to release these three F's in the earth that I speak of this morning. Fire, family, and fathering. The Lord said to me, my fire was always meant to be stewarded in the context of family with the oversight of fathers. My fire was always meant to be stewarded in the context of family with the oversight of fathering. With those three realities working together as one, I believe that they begin to form the wineskin that God is looking for in the earth to pour out His last day's wine. One more time, I don't care if it's redundant. I believe that in these last days, God is going to pour out His fire in the context of a family. Sorry, conference junkies. Just want to make sure you understand me. I believe that the fire of God is going to be poured out in the context of family, relationship, people that you know. But it's also going to be done in the context with the oversight of fathers. Oh, brother, what's wrong with home church? Well, if home church doesn't have any fivefold leaders that can bring accountability, it's not New Testament. We just wiped out most of the house church movement in America that's anti-building and anti-institution and anti... I'm going to show, show you very clearly all three of these realities are found in the Word of God. Ask yourself today, do I have the fuego de Dios? Do I have the fire of the Holy Spirit burning on the inside of me? Am I connected to a spiritual family of believers that are diverse? And do I have fathers and mothers in my life that bring rebuke, that bring correction? I just walked up to Dr. Brown's house over the weekend who I consider a spiritual father. His greeting to me was, you're looking a little chubby. (laughs) 
walked into his house that they just built, and he said, come over to this room over here to the right. I thought it was going to be this incredible study room, his prayer room, where he meets with God. It was his exercise room. (laughs) He literally says to me, straight up, he says, if you can't do 60 sit-ups in three minutes, I'm not meeting with you. Now, again, I know for a lot, like, oh, my gosh. I told this story online, Dave, that, like, blew people's minds, and I could not stop laughing because I just don't think we get fathering these days. It's like looking for someone to, I don't know, I don't get it. But anyways, my, my something hurts doing those. I, I did it. I mean, literally, it was 300. He argued it was 301. But I did those 60 sit-ups as fast as he could, and then he gets out the pull-ups. And, the, and I'm like, again, what does this have to do with any of this? And then he starts quoting Scripture on me. I'll tell the story. Maybe it'll tick people off in here. Don't worry. We already got hate mail for it. I was admiring this prophet about eight years ago, following his ministry online, really growing and learning from him. And so I had showed up and and, and asked for an appointment. He graciously agreed, and I sit down, and he said, how many of my books and my messages have you listened to? I said, "I, I don't know, maybe 30%. He said, that's not good enough. He said, unless you go home and read the rest of my books, I'm not meeting with you. He said, do you realize as a leader, and and most of you are going to think he's arrogant. I don't think he's arrogant at all. I think he's a father. He said, why would you come and spend the next three hours asking me questions that I've already poured out my life through in books and messages? I went home and literally, I went to the hotel, I stayed up 12 hours and read all his material, and he met with me the next day and has given me one of the most accurate prophecies I still hold on till today. I share the Dr. Brown story and this story just for a little piece of fathering. I'm not going to get into it today. But I think that we have a generation that is looking for sugar daddies and not spiritual fathers. True fathers are going to look at your gifting and say, so what? And then they're going to move to your character and to prepare you to be a man or woman that God's called you to be. At 21 years old, my spiritual father at the time literally rebuked me on my birthday and I cried my eyes out. He said, Jeremiah, you are not living the life. You are not living a life worthy of the call on you. I was like, wow, thanks. Happy birthday to you. Do you know the Father in heaven loves you? But as I've been saying for years, He loves us too much to leave us the way that He found us. 
Come as you are does not mean stay as you are. If we're going to get connected to real family, real koinonia, if we're going to walk with real fathers in the face, we better brace ourselves before we wreck ourselves, right? All right, turn to Acts chapter 1. How are we doing this morning? Acts chapter 1. So, we looked at originally Jacob's encounter with the house of God, and we're beginning to notice this fire in this family and this fathering concept that I believe we find in the book of Acts. And I have recently been involved in a bit of an evolution, if you will. And what I mean by that is I have been spending the entire month of December going back through the Gospels and going back through the book of Acts, trying to better understand what are the blueprints of the house of God. And I'm not at all in any way claiming to have the full revelation. I really do just see in part. But here are the three main things that I see in the Gospels and in the book of Acts that I believe is a pattern, a type, and a shadow that now we and the body should build off of. One, ascend. And these are all in order, but the first step is the problem for us Americans. Ascend launch, transform. Ascend, launch, transform. How many of us know that Jesus lived a life of ascension? Give it to me another way. Jesus lived a life of prayer. Hebrews 5, 7, just give you some scriptures. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayer and petition with loud cries and tears. Where is all that moaning and groaning and weird wailing in your prayer meetings? Had so many people come through. Those weird noises people are making like they're having a baby. I don't think that's in the Bible. Here you go. Hebrews 5.7 He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. And unless they're sweating blood, they haven't really gone in yet. Loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Luke 6, 12 one of, uh, thir and 13. On one of those days, Jesus went to the mountainside to pray. And he spent all night praying. Brother, I don't believe in all night prayer. It's not conducive for my family. Well, I'm here to tell you, I don't know how the past generation got it where they would bring sleeping bags. It didn't matter how long. But now in my generation, if service goes over an hour, we really got to get home because little Johnny needs a nap. 
Where do we get all night shut-in prayer meetings? I'm not leaving until Jesus answers. Prevailing prayer. Contending in the place of prayer. Where do we get it? Jesus spent all night in prayer, but don't miss this. He had an assignment, and here was the assignment. When morning came, He called His disciples to Him and chose twelve of them who He also designated as apostles. I've done this so many times it's funny, but it's probably not going to be funny now. Meet with young men. They believe they found the girl they're going to marry. And my question is, have you spent all night in prayer? Wow, you're being so legalistic. Where did you get that? The Bible! Jesus spent all night in prayer, crying out to the Father, trying to discern the twelve who He would choose. By the way, one of them's Judas. I wonder what that conversation was like. Hour nine. Father, Judas, Jesus, what? He's going to betray me. 2020, I just bind all toxic relationships and anyone that's going to give me trouble. What if in 2020 you spend all night in prayer and the Lord says, yeah, you know that guy, that troublemaker, he's going to give you a hard time, he's going to be a thorn in the flesh. Yeah, that one, go ahead. You won't find that on Facebook. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house. Well, brother, I don't know about all night, but probably not early morning. I, 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 er, no, I'm, no, I'm a nighttime person. Jesus attended the morning one too. Matthew 14.23, after He had dismissed them, He went up on a mountainside by Himself to pray, and when evening came... He went back to the football game. Nope, he was there alone. Jesus knew how to spend time with the Father. And even after the prayer meeting was over, as I like to say, he loved the afterglow. How many have ever been in one of those services or those prayer meetings where you literally didn't want to leave? It was like the longer that you stayed, the more Jesus spent time in prayer. And even after that connection with the Father, He's still there alone with Him. Jesus modeled a life of prayer to the disciples. So much so, and I just want you to listen to this for a minute. So much so that they had the opportunity to observe the miracles. They observed the powerful preaching. They walked with Him for three and a half years, and the one question they had for Him was this, teach us how to pray. What about my life is causing people to ask me, teach me how to pray? What a probing question. 
What about my life? Well, teach us how to prophesy. Teach us how to, how to work miracles. Teach us how to preach. No, teach us how to connect and have intimacy with the Father. You see what I'm saying? There, there's no need to get up here in 2020 and, okay, everybody, 21-day fast, 14-day fast, 3-day fast, Daniel fast, movie, you know, pray, pray. It was a lifestyle. It's not a New Year's resolution. It, 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 it's not like I just drift 10 months and then, okay, I really need a new job. My son or daughter's not living for God. We've got to get out of this Jesus is a crisis ATM. We've got to get out of this emergency. Oh, God, we killed Iran's number two leader. Literally, a woman called me this morning like she lost her mind. Oh, my God. I said, ma'am, where was the fire last week? I was just at a prayer meeting with you, and you were like a statue. That phone call didn't last very long. So are you hearing me? All right, Genesis 28, we're almost done. House of God, supernatural activity, fire, family, fathering. Jesus models a life of prayer before the Father. He tells the disciples at the end of his life to wait in Jerusalem. Do we all know this? It's good Pentecostal charismatics. If you don't, welcome to the family. It's not just about giving your life to Jesus. It's about getting that baptism of fire. So he says, I, 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 I want you. This is, this is my prescription. This is my desire. And we know that in the book of Acts, we have a pattern. We have stories of what the first century church looked like. But my question for us this morning is what was the first century church birthed out of? And secondly, what was the first century church sustained from? One more time. What was the first century church birthed out of? And what sustained the first century church? Acts 1 verse 3, To these being Jesus, He presented Himself alive. He's already died and now He's rose again. And after presenting Himself alive after His suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days... Just real quickly, them appearing to them. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that there were approximately 500. I want you to note that. When it says that He appeared to them, revealing many convincing proofs, them is about 500. We get that from 1 Corinthians 15. And he spoke of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he had commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, 
which he said, You heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had come together, that's twice now, they said together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power. Can you say power? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will become the biggest church in Jerusalem and all of Judea. And some, you will have the best programs. I mean, I would like for you to fill in the blank. I'm trying to make a case that in the Bible, the blueprint for the house of God is ascend, it is launch, and then it is to transform. He says to them, get together and wait, because when you wait, you're going to get that Bible college degree that you need to be in ministry. You have to have X, Y, Z to be an anointed minister and to be a really great church. You fill in the blank of the era that we live in. This is what you need. Jesus says when you wait, you shall receive power. Power for what? To knock people down in services and have fire tunnels? To quack like ducks and bark like dogs? What is the power, the fire of the Holy Spirit when it falls? Where does it go? Look at your exits. Look at your exits. Lord, I need the fire! For me, and me, and me, and me, and mine, and mine, and mine. For my needs, and my family, and my life, and... And this is our American dilemma. It's all about me. Why do we choose a church? Because it's all about me. What I like, what I want, what my taste is, what my flavor is. Why do you like that minister? Because he speaks my language. What if you're supposed to connect with someone who doesn't? And you will receive power. Where does the power come from? Not board meetings. Where does the power come from? Not Bible college. 
Where does the power come from? The power comes from the place of prayer and waiting and tarrying upon God. Got a big decision to make, transition, marriage, whatever. Have you spent all night in prayer? Have you cried out to God with loud tears and submission? Or are you just doing the, oh well, just must be the way that it is? I would beg to differ. All right, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what does it say? And you shall be my witnesses. I want the fire, but I want the fire. I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not so I can just wag my tongue when that guy or girl is looking over to convince them that I'm spirit-filled. Not because it's the religious thing to do. I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire for boldness and authority to launch and proclaim the kingdom of God everywhere my feet tread. And then I'm going to transform a region, a city, and a nation for the glory of God. It's inhale and it's exhale. We inhale the fresh fire, the presence of the Lord, and then we... So this changes the dynamic of the corporate gathering. Because yes, we're here, but we're here to ascend. So that when the service is over, we're launching. What are we launching into back where you work? back into your house, back into your neighborhood. Well, what are we here to do? Transform, change, shift, flip over, make an impact, cause damage for the kingdom of... These are the men who have turned the world upside down. There was something that they had possessed There was a sacrifice that they had made. There was a fresh anointing of the whole. Why don't don't they like me? Because the anointing on your life stirs up their devils. This This is why the New Testament church and the book of Acts was so potent. So strong, so anointed. You shall wait. Filled with power, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Verse 12, and I'll land the plane. They're just responding to the words of Jesus. I would just encourage you in a charismatic world full of prophetic word this and conference that. Just encourage you to try the word of God for a change. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and 
Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, Judas the son of James. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to the donuts and coffee before church. I'll just leave it at one, but I could name 20 others. It's right here. You got your glasses on today or your vision. I mean, it's, it's right here. They all devoted themselves to the place of prayer. Along with the women. This is so funny, right? It's like today the only people that show up to the prayer meeting are women. In the book of Acts, it's like, and the women. So in other words, it's talking about men and then the women. Now it's just flip-flopped. Oh, go ahead. Sister, mom, wifey, go pray. I'll go build my man cave. Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. And at this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 500 Make sure you're awake. You see that number? What does it say? Okay, 120. Jesus Himself makes convincing proofs to over 500 that He in fact is the Son of God. They heard Him say with their own ears, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Spirit. You will receive power and you shall become My witnesses. And only 120 show up. That's 380 people that did not come. I dare say in America that if you build off of this blueprint, you shall not build for the masses, but you shall call forth the remnant. I just love to get radical and become a man or woman of prayer, but my wife won't come or my husband or, or my family will think I'm... We do not circumvent the Word of God based off of our experience. I remember like year three at Heart of the Father. Is Janet Penny here? God bless you and Flip. Gosh, I was so frustrated back then. In the plaza, we were having 6 a.m. prayer. It was you and me and Flip for like months. I'm like, Lord, we're calling the people to pray. Lord, what, what, what's, what's wrong? What, what are we doing wrong? Lord, this is the model in the New Testament. What is it that people are seeking? The Lord took me to Acts 1 and He said, Jeremiah, if I called a prayer meeting and people didn't show up, you should just lose the pride show. If people don't show up when Jesus calls, I'm just here to tell you if you're like me back then and people don't come to the, don't take it personally, but rather do this. Focus on the ones who are there. 
Don't worry about people that don't want to come. Don't sacrifice the calling for the fire and the family and the fathering for a group of spectators and fair-weather Jesus fans in America. Don't do it. Refuse to turn down your hunger for those less hungry. They were all in one mind, continually devoting themselves to prayer. 120 showed up. Not all will come. Peter starts reading the Word of God. And in verse 2, And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving utterance. To answer my first question, the early church was birthed from a corporate prayer meeting. You just read it. The early church was not birthed out of interest meetings. What in the world are those, by the way? Like someone shows up in a city and is just like, hey, is anyone interested in my idea? And I guess if they are, we'll go forward with it. Where are the men and women who have heard from God and they're doing it if no one shows up? Well, no one's really around tonight, so I guess I'll cancel service. Where did we get that from? No, if we don't sow in, if we don't commit, if we don't lay our lives down, how can we expect others to come? The early church in the book of Acts was birthed from a corporate prayer meeting, so I believe in the New Testament, step one for building his house, his way is come up here. The place of unity is built when the fire of God... What, what if we just began, we just did prayer meetings? Well, what's the agenda? I don't know. Well, is anyone famous going to be there? No. Well, I'm not coming. Well, we just exposed idolatry in our hearts. If we're not willing to commit to this or that because some famous celebrity isn't there, we have become drunk on American celebrity Christianity, and in 2020, let's get delivered. Well, brother, what about like quiet time with God? Amen. But you know that quiet time with God doesn't replace corporate prayer meetings? 
the first century church was not birthed with shut the door and your father in secret hears you. That's part of it. We need that daily. But the church in the New Testament was birthed with saints getting together hungry simply because Jesus had given them the promise that if you will gather and wait on me, I will release power, ascend up here, and then as you receive the power, I'm going to launch you into your sphere of influence. And why I have divinely given you that job, why I have divinely set you into that family, is so that you would live for transformation, that the gospel of the kingdom would be preached, devils would be casted out, the sick would be healed, the dead would be raised. I'm preaching to you the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ that's in your Bible. All right, I haven't forgot about it. 242. And they were continually devoting themselves. Brother, it's not all about prayer. What about the other stuff? I mean, don't you like to eat? I mean, it says they devoted themselves to four things. To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. I mean, aren't those important components in the house of God? I want to say absolutely, but they were the byproduct of a primary focus on ascending into that upper room and receiving power from on high. I just believe we don't want step, we don't want to ascend. Just skip that part out, waiting, power, fire, and we just want a social club. We, we want potlucks and we want this. All of, yes, have at it, but where's the fire? Do we know how to shift gears? Can we be relating and building relationship and counseling someone and then shift when we recognize demonic presence and cast that devil out because we have a secret place life? I want to tell you, you can! We can create an upper room type encounter, a lifestyle. I believe Luke in the book of Acts is giving us a prescription for the blueprints of the house of God and kingdom lifestyle living. But I won't lie to you. Step one, that's, that's what flips the model upside down. Come up here. Yes, fellowship. Yes, breaking bread. Yes, prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. On all those who had believed were together. I want you to underline these. It's together. They were together. The spirit of prayer promotes unity. My brother and I committed to the place of prayer for many, many, many hours when we were teenagers. 
It literally did not matter the distance. I knew in my heart when he was in trouble. I hate to use the Star Wars analogy. Who's seen Star Wars? You know like, oh, not too many of you. Okay, a few of you get this. You know like when Leia, you know when they're just like, oh. They're, you know, and they're, 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 they're not with the person, but they sense a disturbance in the force. I promise I'm not preaching New Age theology or whatever. <laughs> but I'm just saying through prayer, the Lord can weave your spirit to someone else's. Well, brother, I'm struggling with the computer. Get an accountability partner, not where you eat eggs and bacon every morning at the diner. Get an accountability partner where you go into the place of prayer and you begin to wrestle with strongholds so that even when you're not together, he's going to pull a Jehovah sneaky on you hey when you're hooked up to the Holy Ghost no one else had a mom like this it didn't it was like every time we were early for a curfew she was in bed every stinking time we were late she was on the front porch I got you we would walk up she said I got you I mean, what, what would it look like in a community of believers? I got you. I got you. I got you. Yes, we're going to eat. Yes, we're going to fellowship. Yes, we're going to. But I got you. And they just keep having these prayer meetings. Acts 4.31 and when they had prayed, after persecution came, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, I guess again and again and again, and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. I just want to encourage you in this corporate prayer meetings, when the power and the fire comes, it releases a spirit of boldness that is to cause us to mobilize and to launch into our sphere of influence at the grocery store, at our place of work. And we have been given dominion and authority that I believe comes when we get up into that high place. How do I close today? I would like to close just simply with this. If you're here this morning, and I don't have any intentions of making this like a 2020, and oh God, I'm sorry for not praying, and I'll really try this year. If that's where you're at, then I believe God's grace and mercy is here for you today to meet you where you're at. But I believe in order for a remnant, I'm not only talking about at this church, but I'm talking about every church in the world. In order for a remnant of people to step forward in the earth and recognize rain, sun, or shine, January 1st or November 1st, 
I've got to stay committed. I've got to press in. I want to live this ascended lifestyle where the fire of God continually burns. If you feel that calling to be a part of the remnant, no matter what friends or followers say, I want you to stand. And it really is okay if you're not there yet. All right, tomorrow at 6 a.m. Wow, I'm surprised many of you stood. Praise God. So we're Americans if we do nothing about this. We're kingdom citizens if we make a change like this week. I believe you're here because you want more. I believe that people that come through the doors of this church struggle deeply and intensely because of your work and family environments. And Lord, what does it look like? To me, it very simply looks like get into the upper room. Are there any prayer meetings this week, Brandon? Wednesday, at what time? 6.30? Oh, yeah, service. Okay, so Wednesday at 6.30, there's a prayer meeting. I don't know what the Spirit of God would do. I know at one time we had multiple prayer meetings during the week. But I'm believing that today the Lord is going to set His seal upon many of our hearts. I believe that God wants to break up fallow ground. I believe that there's some things that God wants to shake on the inside of us. There's always water in the desert, no matter where you're at with the Lord. But I believe that God is releasing a kingdom blueprint to us that if we're willing and we answer, he will, he will come. If that's you, I just want you to come to the altar this morning. I know I could just leave you standing, but I believe that something like this requires a response. Again, I'm, I'm not calling for personal prayer life. Like, I'm going to read my Bible this week. We should already be doing that. I'm talking about committing to corporate prayer. I want to knock on the door and say, Lord, would you pour out corporate prayer at heart of the Father? I'm asking you, would you consider in your living room at home, gathering your marriage, your kids, your roommates together, and saying we have got to commit to the place of corporate prayer in our homes, corporate prayer in our churches. Let's just begin to lift up our voices to the Lord. Come on, they didn't have a sound system in the book of Acts. They had hunger. They had a real revelation of Christ. Let's just spend five minutes in prayer.
Come on, I believe there's fresh baptisms and the Holy Spirit that are going to come. I believe those of you who might not have been baptized with the fire of the Holy Spirit will get touched this morning. God, we're asking that You would take the lid off this place. God, we're asking that You would take the lid off of our lives. Lord, we cast down every restraint, every hindrance. God, we ask that You would send purifying, cleansing fire today. Come on, there it is. There it is. Just stay with it. Come on, you got to pray until you can pray. It's two more minutes. God, come and build your house of prayer. Lord, make me a house of prayer. Make me a house of prayer. Come on, just one more minute. Come on, praying in the Holy Ghost, it cleanses us, it purifies us. Causes God to come and confront the chaff and the dross. Holy Spirit, would You come and wake us up today? Would You come and clean us out today? Shandadidio, 
Come on, grab the hand of the person next to you. Just keep praying. Come on, I, I promise you we're not wasting time. I promise this is more important than your lunch. Come on, let's set the trajectory of 2020. Say, Lord, make me a house of prayer. Lord, do something this morning that won't wear off this afternoon. God, I need You to do something on the inside of me that just won't fade away after I eat lunch. Lord, I need conviction. I need Your hand to stretch out from heaven and reach down into my life. Lord, I need boldness. Lord, I need courage. God, I need Your power. Lord, I need Your power in my life. You've been waiting for God to birth something in your life. I feel like the Lord is saying you've got to get to the upper room. Just see people in this room. It's like you can't give birth. And the Lord says you can't give birth unless you're in the upper room. It's been my great protection for your life. For you to not walk in your destiny yet. For I want to teach you the power of the upper room. Some of you, it's like you're right on time. Even though you, don't, you think you're far behind. And the Lord says, I invite you today into that upper room and then you'll start walking in destiny.
Come on, it's healthy for you. This is healthy for you. It's a healthy spiritual exercise to pray in the Holy Spirit, to receive divine intelligence from heaven, to unify us together as a community, to put special burdens upon your heart. This is the norm. This is the norm. This is the norm. Jesus. Jesus. Would you just lift up your hands to the Lord? Now again, I just I want to encourage you. I'm not quenching the Spirit because we live in the Spirit. It's not come to church and then go back to my life. Jesus is the life. We're learning a kingdom lifestyle, a blueprint. I really feel like the Lord is saying to me personally, I'm going to come here tomorrow at 6 a.m. If you can come and you feel God telling you to come, meet me here in this sanctuary tomorrow at 6 a.m. 
I get that there are a lot of reasons why you can't, and they're great, and that's fine. There's no condemnation. But I feel personally the Lord is speaking to me about coming back at 6 a.m. tomorrow and getting serious about what he's saying. So if that's you, I'll open up the doors in the morning. You can come. But let's just close out today's service just by asking the manifestation of the Holy Spirit to give us grace to take this to our homes. Telling you, one of the Achilles heels of the charismatic movement is, is wild corporate gatherings and no, no burning incense at home. And Lord, we're here today, Father, just agree with me, Lord. We're here today saying, Lord, we want it all. Lord, we want the secret place lifestyle. Lord, we say yes to meeting with you in the secret place, just one-on-one. -on -one. But Lord, we also know, Lord, in the New Testament, Lord, corporate prayer meetings were, were hosts of mighty outpourings of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just pray in homes, in physical homes and neighborhoods, Lord, let your fire fall. Lord, I pray, Father, for marriages and families, for an inbreaking of the Holy Spirit and fire. Lord, we pray for fresh baptisms. Lord, we pray for dreams and visions. Lord, we just decree over our church family that their house would become a house even where Jacob, Lord, had a visitation of descending and ascending. Lord, we pray for mighty dreams from heaven to be our portion in 2020. God, we ask that You would pour out Your Spirit. And Lord, now finally I pray for President Trump. Lord, I ask for great grace to come upon him. Lord, I sense that attack from Iran is imminent. Lord, I'm asking for divine grace and wisdom for the plans of the enemy to be thwarted around the world. Lord, even as Iran is planning right now to strike, Lord, we're asking God, would you intervene? Would you give great wisdom to those in authority? Lord, we say we will not be a church that fears, but that has great faith and hope for the days ahead. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for modeling this life for us. Holy Spirit, thank You for being our helper every step of the way. In the mighty name of Jesus, let's give God a clap offering and a shout of praise. We've got midweek service at 6.30, devoting to prayer. If you want to meet me here tomorrow at 6 a.m., you're welcome to.